All right, Proverbs chapter 9. Let's uh, stand together and read a little bit of God's word together before we get into the morning message. Proverbs chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Scripture says this, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. Wisdom, now catch this, has built a house. Imagine a road. On one side of the street is the house of wisdom. She has set a place there, and here's what she is speaking from that house. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by. Now catch that. The folly is a house on the other side of the street at the highest point of the city. She is crying out. She sits at the door of her house on the seat of the highest point, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of the grave. Do you see two sides of the street here? Both are calling for you. Come on in. I got something for you. One brings life and the other brings death. God, speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, President of the United States, was in Paris in 1910. And in Paris in 1910, he said this. He said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done better. Roosevelt's speech pits the critic against what, we, what has become known as the man in the arena. While the man in the arena fights, struggles, strives valiantly for a worthy cause, the critic is the one who stands 
by and does nothing but offers a self-described brilliant commentary and advice. Sadly, our world is full of critics. I mean, we criticize everything today. And we feel like we have the right to criticize. We criticize the restaurants, the businesses, the entertainments, the political leaders, the schools, the churches, the pastor, the sermon. That never happens here, right? Nothing and no one is beyond the power of the review. No one is exempt from the critic. And here in the book of Proverbs today, we are looking at another fool. Another one who was a critic. Another one who was a, in the company of critics. They were, it's a scorner. It's, a, it's somebody who is a scornful fool. It's one who shows contempt by mocking, sneering, and scorning. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 21, 24, it says, The proud and arrogant man, mocker is his name, he behaves with overweening pride. The person who thinks they are better than everybody else, knows more than everybody else, and is a critic of everybody else, and makes himself known wherever he may go. The scoffer is named as the mocker here in the scripture in 21-24. But you'll also find in the scripture this morning, all the way throughout the Proverbs, he is known as the mocker, the scoffer, and the scornful one. He is a scornful fool. He is brash. He is, he is a blasphemer. He's a hothead. And everybody knows it. He stands against God. He has no belief in God. He is arrogant to the core. And he has no desire to hear correction from anybody else. Do you, anybody, do you know anybody like that? Have you met somebody like that? They're hard to deal with and hard to, to go around, to, to, to go with. The care, the, we've been in this series called uh, The Five Fools, and we've been looking at these five different fools. And today we're looking at the fourth one, the scornful fool. And this fool is one that is probably the one that the Bible most finds full of, like, it, it, God is just disgusted by this kind of person, this kind of attitude. He actually calls it in one place an abomination, somebody who is absolutely against God altogether. He hates God. And so this, this fool is somebody that, um, that, that, is, that is portrayed as, as this person that you don't even want to mess with. Just get away from them because they have nothing good to say about anyone else. Uh, there are a few characteristics of the fool. First of all, the, fool, the, the scornful fool is, has an I don't care attitude. I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you want me to do. I don't care. Uh, I, I love how one writer put it this way. He said, where's my notes here? It said, it said this, many teenagers or young people struggle with being scornful. In the time of life when they're beginning to exert independence, they often abhor intrusion by authority. 
they say things like this, and you've probably heard things like this. It's my life. I can do with what I want with it. And you've got nothing to say about it. I'm an adult now. Who are you to tell me what to do? You can't tell me what to do because you have no power over me, and I'm not going to listen anyways. That is a scornful fool. A scorner often makes faces that show his disdain for authority. They, are, they have expressions of, of scornful attitudes and perhaps they even come across like, you know what, I don't care about anything, I don't care about anyone else and I don't care what I do, I'm just going to live my life and do my thing. It's the I don't care attitude. That's the total disregard for wise counsel and authority. Total disregard. No longer do they care about what anybody else thinks. I remember when I went to basic training and uh, here I was in Fort Lost in the Woods. And we had all, you know, given up our, our uh, civilian clothes. And we now had our military haircuts. And we had our military uniforms. But guess what we didn't have? We didn't have an attitude of a soldier. And there were some that were in my, my, my class with me or in my company with me that had a scornful attitude. And let me tell you, life was hard on them. And some of them didn't even make it through basic training because they were kicked right out of the military. Because they would not follow directions. They would not submit to authority. They thought it was intrusive for the drill sergeant to tell them that he had to eat within 15 minutes. And get out of bed when the bell went off. And, not, and to put his boots on the right way and march in line. But until you find yourself submitting... There is no peace in direction. I love what the scripture says. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of a mocker. And there are times I have found even in the church of Jesus Christ, people who say they love God. But they sit around and all they do is criticize, 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 criticize. They criticize the pastor. They criticize the staff. They criticize the, the, the laity in the church. They criticize everything that's going on and they can find fault with everybody. But they will not get involved and they will not serve. They find that they sit in the seat of a mocker. And they make themselves out like they are better than anybody else. May the Lord help us never to sit in that seat. Amen. May we have a spirit of Jesus who did not come to be served but to serve. To roll up his sleeves. To wash feet. To actually live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't a critic. Jesus was a servant. He was humble. In his wonderful ways. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of sin. The scripture says, The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. Notice, notice what he says here. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. God actually doesn't like mockers, scornful people, full of pride. Who are arrogant and against him. He actually says pride will be your fall. You will come to the place where you will bow your knees. And you will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And you're either going to do that in this lifetime or you're going to do it in the next one. But eventually, somewhere along the way, you're going to give up your arrogance and you're going to realize there is an almighty God and he's in charge. Amen. And so he, he blesses, he gives grace to the humble. We're going to come back to this because this is the opposite of a scornful fool is humility. It's humility. And the, and the, now there's two other characteristics I want you to see. A scornful fool is also closely connected to laziness and a sluggard. Laziness and a sluggard. This goes back to that attitude of I don't care, you know. I don't care what you want me to do. I don't care how much you want me to, to perform. I might get a job, but I'm going to do the least that I can possibly do. I'm just going to bide my time, do my thing, and try to get away with as much as possible. I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to be a sluggard. The scripture says this, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Be lazy and become poor. Be lazy and be unemployed. Be lazy and not be valuable. Be lazy. Just try to do what you got to do. And you'll find you'll have nothing in life. But if you go to work every day with an attitude that says, I want to work hard and do my very best and make the person or the company that I'm working for better, you will find yourself being promoted into leadership in life. You will find yourself growing and God blessing you in many ways. And I don't care attitude is an attitude that you get to the place where you're like, I can't motivate this person. I can't get this person to perform the way he should perform for the dollars that I'm paying for him. I'm going to get rid of that person and move on to somebody else. Because they are full of pride and arrogance and a lazy attitude. The scripture says it's about a sluggard. A sluggard says, there is a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. In other words, he's lying in bed and he says, I don't want to get up today. There's a lion in the road. And if I go out into the lion, there's going to be a lion that will just rip me apart. Now that thing's almost stupid to us. But in other words, sluggards make excuses all the time. They find reasons why they shouldn't do what they're supposed to do. They find reasons to give themselves excuses for not performing, for not working, for not, for not um, getting up and doing what, what they're supposed to do. He says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The so worst thing he can be called is lazy. A lazy sluggard. The sluggard buries his hand in his dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. He just lays his head in the dish. He doesn't even have the power or the energy to feed himself the right way. God help us, amen. This is the spirit of a scornful fool. Somebody who cannot be motivated. Who cannot have any drive in their life who's gotten to the place where they say, I don't care, and you can't make me do anything I don't want to do. The coach can't make them do it. The teacher can't make them do it. The parent can't make them do it. The boss can't make them do it. They are just going to do their own thing at their own, their own, um, thank you. 
So, what should you do with a scornful fool? What does Proverbs tell us? How do we handle a scornful fool? Well, it's interesting to me because it says a couple of things that are really, really cool here. First of all, it says walk away from don't respond to them. You got a scornful fool. I don't know why this thing's blinking today, but we're going to get through this. Amen. Um, The scripture says this. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. In other words, he says, if you're going to try to change a person with a scornful attitude, a person who is arrogant, a person bent on pleasing themselves and doesn't have a care in the world about what you have to say, you're probably going to do it at your own risk. You're probably going to suffer the abuse of them speaking back at you words of like, I don't care, I'm not going to do it anyways, you can't make me, whatever it might be. You can try and try and try and try, but ultimately, they're going to turn around and insult you. I've had people in church at times where somebody worked for me or somebody in leadership and we try to bring correction to their attitude or their direction and they will even say the right things to your face and turn around and insult you behind your back. Lie about you, slander you, and turn it all into your problem instead of their problem. A scornful attitude, really hard to deal with. The scripture says that a, he will hate you, rebuke a wise man, and what he will do, he'll love you. In other words, if you bring correction to somebody who has an attitude of trying to live the right way, walk the right path, and say, like, oh, Lord, yes, help me, Lord, help me, they will, they will actually embrace correction the right way instead of getting ticked off and disliking you. Here's another one. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. So, if you're going to deal with a mocker, a scornful, a person with a rotten, terrible, arrogant attitude, do it, uh, Proverbs says, at your own risk, realizing that you might not have much success. So what do you do? Well, here's what Proverbs says. Discipline. Interesting, he says, a corrupt witness mocks at justice, and the mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. So in this this parable, he is saying that somebody who is a false witness, a corrupt witness, maybe you're in a court of, court of law and you've got a, a, somebody coming in who's going to give a witnessing testimony of what happened and they are corrupt, they give false information, they lie, they, they, they slant the truth a certain way. The scripture says they mock at justice, their mouth is wicked and gulps it down. And then it goes on to say this. Now notice what it says. Doggone it, don't. This thing's driving me crazy today. It says in verse 29, penalties are prepared for mockers and beatings for the backs of fools. In other words, it says in this parable, this is saying somebody who is corrupt in the courtroom ultimately can be held accountable and punished for giving false witness. 
that they can be charged with a crime. There can be perjury. There can be, you can be liable for your own testimony, it says. And what Proverbs is trying to teach us here is sometimes the only way to get through to somebody who is arrogant, who is, has an I don't care attitude, is to bring the hammer down. Sometimes it's firing somebody, demoting somebody, taking privileges away. But a child, a teenager, a young adult, an adult who is just bent on doing their own thing, if you want to take the risk to try to bring change, there's only one way to bring change to somebody who has an attitude like that, and that is to bring the hammer down on them and make them suffer the consequences of their choices. If you're not willing to do that, walk away and don't bother with them. Because it's not going to change. Now, could I just say, may the Lord help us never to have an attitude like a scornful fool. May we never have a spirit that is bent on thumbing our nose at God, thumbing our nose at authority, thumbing our nose at correction, thumbing our nose at whatever comes along. We think we are better than anybody else. And we have all the right answers and we are unteachable and untrainable and unmotivated. We should be the kind of people who have a humility of heart in life. Now, I saw this picture last night. My, my, my daughter-in-law posted of my son and, and, and his daughter. And I, and I said, wow, that's a perfect transition to my positive point of this message he was wearing the shirt called humility and um, and this is little Savannah they had their first week mom went back to work this week and so dad had to step in to feed her and take care of her and by the end of the week, they're pretty good friends, aren't they? <laughs> Having a grand old time. But the opposite of, of a scornful fool is a humble person. Humility. A humble person. And, and really, Jesus is the embodiment of, of what kind of person we want to be. Remember Jesus. He left all of eternity, humbled himself and became a man walked among us like a human being, became a servant, humbled himself to the place that he was willing to die, that Christ, that God, would raise him back up and lift him back up. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be a humble person, a person who is bent on not yourself, but on pleasing others. And so there's three things I want you to see here. First of all, the humble are thankful for God's grace. The humble are thankful for God's grace. You see, without the grace of God, you can't live a life that's pleasing to him. You can't get on the road of wisdom. We are thankful for his grace. I love what the scripture says. He mocks the proud mockers, but he gives grace to the humble. 
Remember now, um, um, Proverbs are parallelism. The first part of of the parallels makes a statement. The second part of the the uh, parable either reinforces it or is the opposite of it. So in this parable, we have he mocks, God mocks the proud mockers. But what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. Now this is such an important verse that it's quoted for us two more times in the New Testament. Two more times in the New Testament, this proverb is quoted. Okay? And so this proverb is known by the New Testament writers. Remember I was, I was encouraging you all to read the Proverbs every day. Read a proverb, read a proverb, read a proverb. Why do I tell you that? Because if you will read the Proverbs, you will gain wisdom and insight. And God will help you to stay on the road of wisdom. You'll stay off that road where there's two, two houses. One's calling you to foolishness and one's calling you to wisdom. That wisdom that God is calling you towards is found in the book of Proverbs. And so God says, I mock mockers. I I mock them. I will bring them down. I will ultimately win. But I give grace to the humble. And notice James, the most positive practical book of the New Testament says this. But he gives more, us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Anybody need more grace? Anybody need more grace? Anybody need more grace? How, how do you get grace? You say, God, I need you. I can't do this myself. I am incapable of walking with you. God, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your grace in my life. And what does God do? He gives more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it. What does God do for prideful mockers? He will bring them down to the place where he will punish them. And bring them to the place where they'll say, okay, God, I was wrong and repent and turn. Or they're going to be burning in utter darkness forever and ever. God doesn't want any of us to perish, but all to be saved. It says in in 1 Peter 5.5, it says this, for our young men over here. Here's a scripture verse just for you guys, all right? Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are... All you old guys feel good now, okay? Larry feeling good? Amen? All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, notice he quotes Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the pride, proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know what a wise young person does? He finds older people who have lived life. Who've lived life who have made right choices and wrong choices and seeks to learn from them. And when you do that, God helps you to clothe yourself with humility. Some of our young people around here, I just love them so much. I mean, Pastor Kyle, we got some great young people. You know what they're doing? They're seeking after wisdom. They're seeking after the kind of 
people in their life. And by the way, not only do we have some great young people, we have some great volunteers that are serving in our youth ministry and children's ministry who are great role models. We had 95 volunteers this week who spent time. Many of them had a crew of no more than five kids, and they spent three hours with them every single day. That's 15 hours of their life poured into those young people. I would say that that's a good way for you to live, amen? Humble yourself in a powerful way. Well, what else do my notes here say? Biblical humility is when you stop thinking of ourselves and we start submitting to God. It's when we start putting others before ourselves. With this proper definition, we can see that Jesus was the humblest person who ever walked the face of the earth. I love what what C.S. Lewis says. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. In other words, God doesn't want to make say you should think that you're a piece of trash. You are created by God. God made you. God created you. And God died for you. You are valuable. But humility isn't degrading of you. Humility is when you are willing to think less of you and more of him. Less of you and more of others. Less of you and more of of, of caring about other needs around you. And when you are thinking more about him and more about others, God says, I'm going to pour out my grace upon you in wonderful ways. And you're going to start living real life, life that brings real abundant life in your life. Instead of living a life that brings death. And so humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That's the Jesus way. The second thing I want you to see is that the humble are patient in God's plan. They are patient in God's plan. Notice two parables here. Two Proverbs, I'm sorry. Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor in life. By the way, there's another proverb that says the fear of the Lord is humility. Remember, what is fear of the Lord? Fear of the Lord is not afraid of God. Fear of the Lord is respect of God. He is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord is realizing he is God and I am not. He owns it all. He's the leader of all. Ultimately, I'll give my account to God. So scripture says humility and the fear of the Lord, what do they bring in your life? They bring honor and life. They bring wealth. Not wealth in the sense of just getting rich monetarily, but wealth in the sense that life is full and has great meaning and great purpose. You can be poor and wealthy. You can be wealthy and poor. Okay? So the scripture is not teaching that this is, that this is all about some monetary gain and you're just going to become filthy rich like the world wants to think of riches. But you are a rich person. You are a wealthy person when you understand right and wrong and you live a life pleasing to the Lord. You are really, really wealthy with the grace of God through Jesus Christ. 
That's humility and fear of the Lord. He says, don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It's better to wait for an invitation than to, to, to the head of the table than to be sent away in public disgrace. Sometimes what we want to do is say, I deserve to sit on the front row with Mike. I should be sitting right there. Nobody should be sitting in my seat because I sit there every week because that's my place. I'm in the front. And Rusty, he comes over and says, you ain't sitting in my seat. Get out of my seat, Mike. He pushes you out. And then the pastor comes up to Rusty and says, Rusty, you work for me. What are you doing pushing Mike out of his seat? You're fired. Whenever you start pushing yourself, you think you have rights. You think you deserve better. You think you should be treated better. You think you should, that you're, you're, you don't have your rightful place that you have in life. And you want to push yourself to the front. Or make a scene. Or to have, cop an attitude. Here's what you're doing. You're acting like a fool. The scripture says is we should always take a humble attitude and sit in the back row with Luke. You guys all in the back row. Warren, back here in the back row. Warren, if there's anybody that should be in the front row in my my book, it's Warren Plaskett. 84 years old, right? 84? 85? 87? 90? 81. All right. (laughs) For two years in a row, Warren has served in vacation Bible school and taken five kids around every day and did it with such joy and such just incredible amounts of um, distinction. I just love that guy. But he never pushes himself. He never shoves himself to the front. He just patiently says, how can I serve you? How can I serve? You know what an attitude of a humble person is? There's no job too small that I will not do it for Jesus. Nothing is above me. I will serve. Well, one more. The humble listen to God's teaching and correction. Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom, humility, is found in those who take advice. You ever try to correct somebody or you try to work with somebody and they are resisting you? They don't want to work with you? What what does it create? Conflict. Discord. Disharmony angst. The more you try, it only breeds more quarreling. But wisdom or humility says, well, how can I learn? How can we cooperate? How can we do this together? How can we make this happen? How can we work in such a way that we accomplish the mission? I'll give up my rights. I'll do it differently. I don't have to win here anymore because you know what? I want God to win. I want him to get the honor. I want him to bless you. 
It's not about me. It's about the Lord. Or it's about you. Or it's about somebody who's serving you or somebody who's working. Pride only breeds quarreling. But wisdom and humility are found in those who take advice. He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I love what one writer said this. Now catch this. Where is it? Uh, Hold on, hold on. A humble person listens to God. A longtime ministry partner of Billy Graham said of the greatest evangelist, he's one of the few Christian leaders who gives his attention to whatever God wants him to do. He's not running so fast and so deeply involved in his, involved in his own agenda that when God taps him on the shoulder, he says, yes, Lord, rather than saying to God, just wait a minute, I have to finish what I'm doing and then I'll give you my attention. A good leader, a wise person, always has an attitude that says, Lord, I'm listening. Lord, I'm correctable. Lord, I'm changeable. Lord, I need, your, I need you to help me. Lord, whatever it is. A scornful, foolish person says, I got my ways, my agenda, my things, and I'm not listening to anybody else. All of us can fall into either one of those patterns at times. The second thing I love what this writer says is the humble person listens to people. Now catch this. The humble person listens to people, including critics. I had this older pastor in my very first church who said to me, a young pastor... He said, I said to, his name was Herb. I said, Herb, he was retired from the ministry. I said, what do I do with people like this? And it was a person who constantly criticized me. Constantly criticized everything in the church. He said, well, sometimes God puts those people in the church to humble you. I was like, oh, wow. That's great. What do I do with that? And then he said this to me. Even your worst critics have a semblance of truth in them. Are you humble enough to at least admit that they might be right in some area? I didn't want to hear that. But he was right. And so over the years, I've tried to listen. I can't say I've always done perfectly at that. And sometimes I'm a little arrogant, a little thick-headed, and a little hard-headed. But the older I get, the more I realize I know very little. And there's others who might know a little bit more than I do. Even some who don't really have never walked in my shoes before. Even though I don't appreciate critics who just want to stand on the sidelines and point fingers and find fault. 
Sometimes there's not much I can do, but Lord say, Lord, help me to have the kind of grace to receive what I need to receive and let go of what I need to let go. And God does that. Why? Because the humble listen to God's teaching and correction. And sometimes those corrections come directly from God and his word. And sometimes God uses people to bring teachings and corrections in our lives. And so may the Lord help us to do that. Well, I'm done. Amen? Vacation Bible School in the second service, folks. I hope you, if you can stay today for another hour service, I'd love for you to see the joy of our kids, hear the songs, hear some of the things that have been going on, see a slideshow, and thank all our volunteers for working with us this, this year. And some brand new families will be here that don't have a church home. If you've got time today, get a cup of coffee, get a donut, come on back in and say, I want to be used of Jesus and be the hands and feet of Christ. Go around and connect with some folks that are brand new. If you've got time to do that, I invite you to do that. Amen. Stand with me, would you? Worship team's going to come for our closing song. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for giving us a little bit of an insight onto the scornful fool. May we never, Lord, have an attitude that opposes you, that opposes authority or correction. Help us not to be the kind of person that is sits on us like a sit sitting on a seat of mockers. But I pray that you would give us humility. I pray that you'll humble us. I pray that you will will make us more and more patient, more kind, more teachable, more correctable, more grateful, oh God. We want to be your people. We want to be like Jesus. So help us, oh Lord, I pray. You've been so faithful and so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.